Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Monday, the 29th of January. Good to have you aboard. We're part of the Believe Podcast Network and presented as always everywhere by Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE, 800-747-3733. So glad to have you guys aboard today. Starting off the week, got a fun show, got a lot to catch up on, and of course, The big game, you know what I'm talking about. The big game is set. We got Kansas City. We got San Francisco. We're headed to Vegas. I mean, not really me, but, you know, in theory, we're headed to Vegas. And Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, all the lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. You could head to Bet Online today, right now. Stay updated on all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. So, here's here's what we got going on. Thanks to anyone who hung out with me, joined us this weekend. I did ESPN Radio on Friday night. Yeah, Friday night with my man Q Myers. Did game night. Yesterday did primetime with Super Bowl champion Brandon Jacobs, uh, who I've done that show with a few times. Brandon's a good dude. And uh, former All-Pro linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Chad Brown also joined us yesterday. So it was the three of us, and we're doing the show. We're doing primetime during uh, the majority of the AFC Championship game, the entire second half of the AFC Championship game, and the first three quarters of the NFC Championship game. So obviously, we're doing a ton today. Most of the show is on the AFC and NFC Championship game today. But first, I got to tell you about the weekend that I had. I had... A weekend. So, Saturday night, my son and I, we went to the Royal Rumble. That's right. WWE Royal Rumble, second biggest show of the year. It sets up WrestleMania. We now know, I mean, theoretically, we now know the main event of WrestleMania. As Cody Rhodes 
wins the Men's Royal Rumble. That was the main event. That went on last. Cody Rhodes wins the Men's Royal Rumble. And he points right at Roman Reigns, who's watching in a suite. Says, I'm coming for you. So, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, two. Second straight year at WrestleMania. Is Cody going to finish the story? The Women's Royal Rumble. My pick was won by Bailey. Oh, my. I'll tell you. The whole night was amazing. We had such a great time. It was me and my son, Jordan. <coughs> I was so excited when Bailey won. I don't get too excited at these shows because, I mean, look, it's it's a show. It's 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 scripted. Don't say it's fake. You're fake. It's scripted. So I don't get too excited, you know, but I want to be a part of big moments. That's what pro wrestling's about now because it's not just about, you know, if your favorite star wins or loses. You want to be there. You want to be part of the moment. That's the best part about pro wrestling. And that felt like a moment. I was so excited when Bailey won. She was my pick. And just the whole way it went down, phenomenal. But my son and I, we had, it was the most fun I've ever had at a WWE show. It's a monster show, Royal Rumble. It was my third time ever being at Royal Rumble. I went 1991, 2016, and now 2024. And this was the most fun I ever had because my son Jordan, my older son Corey, he's grown out of it. He doesn't care about pro wrestling anymore. My younger son Jordan, he's still like, now he's not going to watch it. He doesn't watch it religiously the way that I do. But he likes it and he loves going and he always wants to go with me. So <coughs> he had a phenomenal time, but it helps my time because he, he is the type of personality where he gets into it. And he cheers, and he chants, and so being there with him, who is going to have these reactions, it brings it out in me as well. And it was the most fun I've ever had at a WWE show. It was a monster show. He had uh, 45,000 people completely sold out to the rafters of Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. So, we have seats, we're sitting in what, what I guess is their club level, the second level at Tropicana Field, like, around third base. And the ring is the pitcher's mound, okay? And, like, we had a good vantage point, but here's the thing. It's a stadium. So just imagine if you're sitting in the second level and you're you're at third base and you're looking at the pitcher's mound, it, it's kind of far. And I'll be perfectly honest. I had a tough time seeing... The competitors in the ring. I was struggling a little bit. And this is during the women's Royal Rumble match. Because this is what went on first. Now. I also had a credential from WWE. So they gave me a ticket. One ticket. They gave me a ticket on the floor. It was one of the sections on the floor. Like it's next to the mixer. Next to the hard ca- the soundboard. Next to the hard camera. So all in all. It was like you know. A section behind a section on the on the field, if you understand what I'm saying. And I say to my son, in the middle of the women's Royal Rumble, I go, Hey, you see that section right down there? Would you rather sit there? And he said, Yeah, let's try it. And I'm like, okay. So here's the thing, though. I only have one floor ticket. The one WWE gave me. But when we entered the stadium... We entered through a special gate, okay? We entered in the gate where you enter if you have a floor seat. 
And so we go there, and I show them my floor ticket. They go, okay, come right this way. He goes, go, go get your wristband from that guy right there. Because that's how they're, they're not checking your tickets when you get onto the field level. They check if you have a wristband, all right? So I go up to the guy. I show him my pass. He goes, okay, floor. I go, yeah. He goes, all right, give me your wrist. And he puts the wristband on. He goes, two, right? Him also? And I go, yeah. Hit, yes, yeah, him also. Two wristbands, yeah. So we got the extra wristbands when we walked in. He didn't even check, my, you know, my son's seat. He assumed, I mean, he assumed I had two field passes because I'm not going to sit on the field and my son's sitting somewhere else. So we both had a wristband. So I said to her, let's go, let's go down there. Let's see if it's better. And so we went down to the field level after the Women's Royal Rumble match and we walked right onto the field. The security sees we both have wristbands. We're good to go. And like, he's jumping around now as we pass and we're on the field. And so, and now we're like in the middle of the action. We're, we're just imagine like you're in a stadium, in the middle of a stadium with a roaring crowd. We're in the middle of the action now. And so we go to the section where my field level ticket is and we go all the way up to the front of the section and there were two empty seats right on the aisle. We sit right there. Nobody bothered us the whole night. So because we were a section behind a section, we were still able to see the ring perfect because we were in the front row of that section on the aisle and we had a clear path to look at the ring because of the aisle in front of us, in front of that section, if I'm explaining it properly, you know? We had a perfect vantage point. We're about 150 feet away from the ring. It was awesome. And the way that the wrestlers exit the ring when they're eliminated from the Royal Rumble, so when the men's Royal Rumble eventually came, the way that they exit the ring, they don't go back up the runway. That, that looks weird. They exit through the crowd, through the field, through a rail. We're sitting on the rail. This was a total coincidence. We're sitting on the rail. So every wrestler that left the ring to go back into the locker room passes my son. He's given high fives and taking pictures to all of them as they walk out the ring after they're eliminated. We had the best time. And yeah, Bailey wins the Royal Rumble, which might be my favorite moment I've ever been at at pro wrestling. It was so exciting. And Cody Rhodes wins the Men's Royal Rumble, which was super exciting. It was a phenomenal event. The women's was better. The, I think the women's was the best women's Royal Rumble match ever. The women's was unbelievable. The, the event overall was fantastic. Tropicana Field is a dump, but it was an amazing night. We had such a great time. I, I can't wait for the next big event that we go to. And thank you to WWE for including me on the credential list. So... What a great night. That's how the weekend started. So I get home on Sunday. We got to leave early enough because I'm doing ESPN Radio primetime at 5 p.m. And so I get back plenty of time. Where I'm watching the championship games. Then I got to do primetime. But on my way home from St. Petersburg on Sunday, I realize, yeah, I'm tired right now. It's not that big a deal that I got to work tonight. But I got to go to the Travis Scott concert. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where you all thought I would be on a Sunday night, right? In Miami at Travis Scott. That, that's not a surprise to anybody. So my son, my older son, he's 15, Corey. Him and his friends, they love rap music. I, let me tell you something. 
Rich, not that my family's rich, far from it. Rich Jewish kids love rap music. And that's not just this generation. That was all my friends growing up as well. I was the only one that didn't like rap music. Rich, rich Jewish kids love rap music. And my son and his friends love Travis Scott. I don't know shit about Travis Scott. And, like, matter of fact, the other day I was ho- when I was co-hosting Game Night with Q Myers on ESPN Radio, which I'm doing again this Thursday, before the show started, but I go, yo, Q, and Q's black. I said, hey, Q, you know Travis Scott? And he's like, no, nah, I don't know him personally. Like, I know you don't know him personally. Do you? I don't think all black people know each other, all right? But do you know Travis Scott? Like, what's the music, all of that deal? And... And, and he said, yeah, it's all right. It didn't help me much. So, anyway, back to the beginning. I, I, I got tickets for my son. Four tickets. I wasn't planning on going. God knows I didn't want to go. Especially on a Sunday night after I really had a long weekend. But the parents... And, and I'm not one of those parents... Who, who thinks that, oh, the concert's dangerous. I went to my first ever concert at 16. It was Rage Against the Machine, Wu-Tang Clan. My son and his friends are 15. And this is an indoor concert. And by the way, the police presence outside of the arena, I've never seen anything like it. They, I mean, there must have been 40 police cars that were parked on the median. But anyway, I'm not one of those people, and especially because, oh, it's a rapper, it's a black guy, it's, it's not safe. No, no, not like... I think it's totally fine for my son and his friends to go. And, but not all the parents felt that way. So I said, listen, this is what we'll do. You drop them off at the concert. When I get done with my show at 9 o'clock, I'll get in the car. I'll meet them down at the arena. I'll sit at the show with them. That's the the things you do for your kids, right? I want to be anywhere but Travis Scott on Sunday night. So, I wrap up primetime at 9 p.m. My son and his friends, they got dropped off. I figured this, I I thought the show was going to start at 9. All right, it'll end by 11. I'll get there by 9.45. I get to the arena. I'm walking in. My son says, are you here yet? I go, yeah, I'm walking in. I I say, is this show still going on? He goes, it's about to start any minute. Are you fucking kidding me? This is now the worst night of my life. I thought I was going to arrive. I'm, I'm really tired. I thought I was going to arrive. I could chill for 30, 45 minutes and then I can go home. The show hasn't even started yet. So I get there to the arena. I enter through the floor because thank God the tickets that I have come with the wristband where I get all access on the floor. I can go in the, uh, in the lounge in the back, which we'll get to that in a second. I get there. I'm on the floor. I walk around the stage. The show just started. I I can't even describe to you how loud it was. I thought Monster Truck was loud. I thought the Monster Truck races was loud. My entire body was vibrating. I've, I've been to Metallica. I've been to Rage Against the Machine. I've been to Slipknot. None of them are close to as loud as this Travis Scott show last night. My body was vibrating. I get up to the seats. And my son, like the show just started. I get up to my seats. And 
you know, my son, he, you know, he's laughing, his friends are laughing, that now I'm there with them, and I'm like, all right, have a good time, I'm going down to the lounge, I can't be here, I gotta get the fuck out of here, and, and, so I go down, I'm, I'm hanging, I'm hanging out with my guy Dimitri at the bar, he's the bartender, it's just me, and luckily they got the TVs on there, the football just ended, but I got my phone, so like, I'm watching Sports Center on my phone, I'm chilling, I'm having a drink, my guy Dimitri's giving me good heavy pours, so it's all good. Which, by the way, those drinks, I mean, it's 30 bucks a drink. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Anyway, so I'm chilling there throughout the show, breaks in the show. By the way, and I'm the only one sitting at the bar. But people randomly start popping through. Like, by the way, I look at the other end of the bar. This is like 30 minutes into the show. I look at the other end of the bar. I'm the only one sitting there. Buddy is on the other side of the bar ordering a drink. I look at, up at him. I point to him and go, Jack. Looks at me and goes, Zaslo, Jack McClinton is there. So now I got someone to talk to. All-time great Miami Hurricane. Probably my all-time favorite Miami Hurricane basketball player. I told you guys this before. So Jack McClinton now, he's at the show. He's enjoying himself. Now I got someone to chat with for a few minutes here. You know, of course, like, what are you doing here? I'm like, yeah, that's a really good question. So people are coming through every now and then. You know, you, you, got, you got the hoochies. I mean, so many hoochies. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. And so... I'm chilling down there for like the first hour and a half of the show. Show's supposed to end around 11.30. So I go down there at like 11.20. I pay my bill. I go back out onto the floor. And it's, and, and so now, because I, I want to get back up in the seats. My, my son and his friends had amazing seats. They were like, well, it would be center court, just a few rows up. Unbelievable seats. And But I'm just like, I'm, I'm just going to stay here on the floor. They'll come down to me when it's over. So I'm watching the, fu- I got to be the oldest person there. I'm watching the Travis Scott show, the final like 20, 25 minutes of the show, on the rail, on the floor. Travis Scott's right in front of me. I'm on the rail. It was, it was a fucking scene, if I could describe it. You know, I've been to a million concerts, okay? I've never seen anything like this. I say that in no unequivocal terms. I've never seen anything like this. The place is filled to the top, completely packed, super young audience, obviously, which is why I think I've never seen an energy like this, because the crowd was crazy young. And if I could tell you, so, like, you go to a rock show like I do, in the lower level, all right, and, and, it's, and, and the stage is the whole floor, the whole floor, so I'm on the rail on the floor, the stage is the whole floor, and... You know how it works like at rock concerts, even even like an awesome rock concert. The entire lower level and the floor, everyone's jumping around, jumping up and down for a lot of the show. Not only was the entire was the crowd jumping up and down the entire show, but at a rock show, the upper level, they're kind of chilling. They're not jumping up and down because they're not close enough to the action. I my right hand to God, the entire building, all the way up to the rafters, jumping up and down the whole show. I've never, ever seen a crowd like this. I mean, I hated every second of it, but I've never seen a crowd like this. These people, I mean, they had a better time at this show than I've ever had at a concert. And I love going to concerts, and you know I love Pearl Jam. Every one of these people was having a better time than I've ever had at a concert. And that's not a knock on me. 
That's more about the energy they have. Like I said, I said to Jack McClinton uh, when I was talking about the bar before he went back out, and I was like, so he's, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy out there, right? Everyone's jumping around. He goes, I'm like, who, who the hell has the energy for all this? So, and, and here's another weird thing. I look in the crowd, and I can easily see my son and his friends from where I'm standing on the rail. I look in the crowd. I would say half the crowd, I don't know what this is about. I would say half the crowd, the men, the boys, the boys, they have their shirts off. Like, is that a thing at rap shows or just Travis concert, Travis Scott shows where the, the, the guys have their shirts off and they're jumping around? I look over at my son and his friends. My son, by the way, who's in a cast, all right? He's in a cast in his right foot. My son and his friends are jumping around with their shirts off. My 15-year-old son is in the middle of this sea of people in the lower level jumping around no shirt at the Travis Scott show. I've never seen anything like this. Anyway, that's where I was last night. We got home around 1 or so. So, And I woke up this morning. By the way, I tweeted out. I woke up this morning. Uh, Jonathan Coachman, my guy, come on. Jonathan Coachman and and his partner, Alan Bell, they have a new venture. You know, they used to be on CBS Sports, and they have a new venture now on their own, kind of like me. They're on their own now. Driving the Line is their new brand. So you can check it out on Twitter. Uh, it's probably at Driving the Line. But I also retweeted it on, on all my socials. They're also on the YouTube. Go subscribe to them, Driving the Line, on their YouTube channel. They have a pretty big following. It's a sports show every morning, 10 a.m. It's for like an hour. It's a sports show that's based around gambling. Anyway, I, I made an appearance on Driving Line this morning. Uh, I think I'm going to be on it more often coming up, which is cool and exciting. So go check out Driving Line. Go check out my segment I did with those guys this morning on Driving Line. You can go check it out on the YouTube channel, youtube.com. Uh, but subscribe to them, and yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. They have a great following, a real... Uh, a great community of, of listeners and viewers they've had for years. Driving the line, I'll be on that a bit more often now as well. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, like, I was exhausted this morning. <coughs> I wake up, I do driving the line. That's why Zaslow Show 2.0 today, a, a little bit later of a release than normal, okay? I, I had a lot going on between last night and today. But I had a crazy weekend. Royal Rumble was amazing. Travis Scott last night was a scene. And, and, and now... Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. All right, first though, you know what helped me get that great sleep last night? Sheets and Giggles, that's right. Sheetsgiggles.com, where you're going to get the softest, coolest, most breathable sheets you've ever had. That's how you make sure, that's how we get the great sleep here in the Zaslow Mansion master bedroom. My dogs, Bailey and Shaggy, they're both sleeping right now. They're just about 10, 15 feet away from me. They're sleeping on the Sheets and Giggles. Both of them are passed out while I'm doing this show. How are they sleeping so well, even though everybody knows I'm pretty loud? Because they're sleeping on sheets and giggles. The softest, coolest, most breathable sheets. The comforter. I got a eucalyptus pillow. That's right. Sheets and giggles is made from the wood of eucalyptus trees. But my man Colin, the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, he's making sure it's all environmentally friendly. Go to SheetsGiggles.com. Use promo code Zazlo. 20% off at checkout. That's right. Promo code Zazlo, 20% off at checkout. You don't even have to thank me, all right? Just continue getting the best sleep of your life after you put those bed sheets on your bed. Sheetsgiggles.com, promo code Zazlo. Sheetsgiggles.com. And of course, how do you think I'm going to kick back tonight? We're going to watch Monday Night Raw, which is live in Tampa tonight. We're going to watch Monday Night Raw. We got the Heat and Suns. 
I'm going to crack open an ice cold Johnny Cuba, official beer of Zaslow Show 2.0. Johnny Cuba's got those European roots with that Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba right now. Your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco Imas. Got some more locations coming. By the way, that reminds me. I got to talk to my, my man Juan from Johnny Cuba this afternoon. They got some more locations that are picking up Johnny Cuba, and I'm going to pass that info along to you. Official beer of Zaslow Show 2.0. Only beer we keep here in the Zaslow Mansion. Make sure you always drink responsibly. And, of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra. Stay tranquilo. So, we'll circle back to the Heat and Panthers. Let's get to the important stuff first. And the important stuff being Championship Sunday. So, it's the Chiefs and the 49ers. Which, I'm I'm heart... Well, I shouldn't say I'm heartbroken for the Lions. Like, I really don't give a shit about other teams outside of my teams. But, I was rooting for the Lions. I was into it, you know? Let's start with San Francisco and Detroit. This is a meltdown. By the Lions. I, like, Brock Purdy was not good in the first half. They make whatever adjustments they make at halftime. And in the second half, the 49er offense was great. I knew Detroit was going to have to score. I love Detroit plus seven. I liked them a lot as an outright dog to win the game. And I was, I was looking great in that regard. They end up covering, of course, they don't win. But I knew this was going to be a high-scoring game. And then at halftime, when Detroit's up 24-7, like, wow, I... San Francisco's just not holding up their end of the bargain. I felt Detroit was going to have to score a lot of points because I I, I felt Detroit was going to score, but also San Francisco is going to score because I don't love Detroit's defense. Well, the adjustments that San Francisco made at halftime, of course, Detroit couldn't stop them. But this, the story of this game was a meltdown by the Lions. And I know the, the winning fan base, the winning team, they don't like hear that when it's the, you know, did so-and-so win or did so-and-so lose? It, I'm not even going to say that for this game. It was a meltdown by the Lions. And I'm not even placing blame. I know a lot of people, like Dan Campbell's the story, right? Did Dan Campbell blow it? Did Dan Campbell get outcoached? That's always a funny one to me, right? Where, where the guy gets outcoached. We don't have enough information to know. Like, what were the adjustments that Kyle Shanahan made? Or what were the adjustments that Dan Campbell didn't make. How do we know he was outcoached? How do we know that Dan Campbell and his coaching staff didn't give his team at halftime the information, the adjustments to make, and then his team just didn't carry it out properly? Like, it's such an easy thing to say so-and-so got outcoached. But when we see decisions that are being made on the field in real time, that's a lot easier for us to react as a fan because... We could see it in front of us. He decided to do this instead of doing this. And that's what we had last night with Dan Campbell and the fourth downs. And that's why today is a major second guest day for Dan Campbell. Now, I will say, I'm on the air on ESPN Radio, all right, with doing primetime with Brandon Jacobs and Chad Brown. And when it's 24 to 10 coming out in the third quarter, see, it was late in the first half. And it's 21-7. And we know Dan Campbell is super aggressive. But I'm saying, all right, in this spot here, kick the field goal. Kick the field goal. They're, they're doing an excellent job of draining time in the second quarter to make sure the Niners don't get the ball back because they're also getting the ball at the start of the third quarter. Don't allow them to get the double dip. Drain the time, drain the time. 
make sure you come out with three points. And they do. Smart move. So it's 24-7. They're up three scores now, right? The Niners have to score. Now remember, I'm saying this in real time. I'm on live on ESPN Radio. The Niners have to score to start the third quarter. It could be a field goal to make it a two-score game. They have to come out with points. And they do. They get a field goal. Makes it 24-10. to But the Lions, like they had been doing the entire first half, are marching down the field and doing whatever they want. If the Lions are to come down the field now after the, the Niners cut it to a two-score game and get a field goal, if the Lions come down and get a touchdown, demoralizing. Demoralization. Like, the game may be over if the Lions do that. And now we got fourth and three. You got a chance to kick pretty, a a very makeable field goal. I think they're on the 20. And to me, this is a no-brainer kick a field goal. And I'm saying this on the air. It's a no-brainer kick the field goal for two reasons. Number one, Dan Campbell, earlier in the game, at the end of the first half, decided, let's kick a field goal, make it a three-score game. Now we're in the middle of the third quarter. Why wouldn't we do the same thing? Kick a field goal, make it a three-score game. So Dan Campbell felt one way at the end of the second quarter and felt the completely different way in the third quarter. And I would think it should be the opposite because you're getting the three points back that San Francisco just got. And instead of being up 17 with 30 minutes left in the game at the start of the third quarter, you're back up 17 with 22 minutes left in the game. Half the third quarter has ticked off, and you're back where you started. You ate up time, and San Francisco didn't get any closer. To me, that's a no-brainer kick the field goal. And I'm saying it on the air. But Dan Campbell's coached one way throughout most of the season and wants to get to the Super Bowl being that guy, which I get. I understand. So they go for fourth and three, and Josh Reynolds, who had a nightmare of a game, drops an easy fourth and three. That Now look at the succession of events that take place because of that one moment. Look, look at the butterfly effect that happened. Instead of taking three points, and I know you could say, oh, you don't know if he would have made it. It was a very makeable kick. You have to assume he makes the kick. Look at the butterfly effect from not going up 17. That then leads to the Brandon Ayuk crazy catch. Now you got some bad juju going on. You got the crazy catch off the shoulder pad, off the helmet of the Lions DB. Brandon Ayuk comes down with it. That leads to a touchdown. Now we got a one-score game. Detroit gets the ball back. Jameer Gibbs fumble. Niners recover. Easy touchdown. Now we're tied. The butterfly effect from not going back up three scores. Now all of a sudden we're tied at 24. Very next possession. It was possession after possession after possession after possession. Total disasters for the Detroit Lions. Then Reynolds again. Wide open. Third and nine. Drop. They have to punt. Leads to a Niners field goal. 27-24 now. We're in the fourth quarter. The Niners are ahead. Detroit gets the ball back. What do they do? They drive the field like they've been doing most of the game. Fourth and three from the 30. Now this one... This, to me, was the most egregious of the Dan Campbell decisions. Fourth and three now from the 30. You have not scored yet this half, and now you are trailing with seven minutes to go. Instead of kicking the field goal to tie, it's been a 48-yard attempt. Not a gimme, but super makeable for NFL kickers. Fourth and three from the 30. They don't get it. 
49ers then drive. They get the good, they get the field position. Touchdown, 34-24, ball game. The butterfly effect that took place from not matching that field goal in the middle of the third quarter and going back up 17 led to disaster possession after disaster possession after disaster possession. And Dan Campbell, I don't even know if he's not going to be able to sleep for the next few nights because of it. I don't even think Dan Campbell regrets these decisions because this is the guy that he's been. And this is how they've gotten to the place that they're at. But my big thing is, I think sometimes part of being a coach is adjusting, is adapting to the situation. And this situation called for something a little bit different than the way you've been coaching throughout the year. And he didn't adapt to this situation. And that's the part. I don't think Dan Campbell's going to lose sleep over it. But that's the part to me that would be frustrating. Like, Dan Campbell's getting the blame. I can't get crazy about it, though. I, I, I do think that he... I don't like the decision-making, but I'm not going to get crazy about Dan Campbell today. My biggest problem is not kicking the field goal to tie. And it is weird that he felt one way about kicking at the end of the second and not the same way in the middle of the third. You got to kick the field goal to tie with seven minutes left. But this is how he's coached all year. And he decided to stay true to himself in the NFC Championship game. For me... Part of being a great coach is adjusting to the situation. And I think this situation called for a different approach. And now the Lions are home. And the odds are, by the way, not because they're not good. The odds are they may never get this opportunity again. And not just when I say this opportunity again, the opportunity to get to the NFC Championship game, to get a game away from the Super Bowl, and the opportunity to have a double-digit lead in the second half of that game. This opportunity they just had, it's likely they'll never get this opportunity again. And that's why it stings so bad if he lines. But I... This shit is hard, man. The Dolphins haven't had this opportunity in 32 years. This is hard. I can't crush Dan Campbell. Second-guess it. Well, it's not even second-guess. I was doing it in real time. I don't agree with the way, he, the way he went about yesterday's second half, but I can't crush him. He's been so incredible for that franchise. That fan base just had the most enjoyable season and postseason run they have ever had. I have a hard time believing a single Detroit Lion fan is mad at Dan Campbell. They may not agree with the decisions like I don't agree with it, I got a hard time believing a Lions fan is mad at Dan Campbell. It's an opportunity waste. You're crushed. You're heartbroken. I get it. But I think an extremely small percentage of Lion fans are mad at Dan Campbell today. Be crushed. But man, they were so close. So close. I was doing hard for them, man. That's tough. All right, so let's get to the other side here so the AFC championship earlier in the day it's funny because just like last week the first game of the weekend was Baltimore Houston I thought that was going to be the best game it stunk the best game ended up being the last game which was Kansas City and Buffalo this weekend the AFC game was first 
I thought that was going to be the better game. The NFC game was the better game. But anyway, so it all works out. The headlines today for Kansas City and Baltimore are definitely reading, did Kansas City win or did Baltimore lose? I believe Baltimore lost. And yeah, this is this makes the Chiefs fans mad. Players don't like hearing this. Baltimore lost that game yesterday. This team, this ball, it was a shocking performance from Baltimore. And that's crazy to say that Patrick Mahomes getting back to the Super Bowl is shocking. But this Raven team was beating all the good teams all throughout the year. They were curb stomping all the good teams all throughout the year. And this was the performance of a team that looked not ready for this game from an emotional standpoint. The personal fouls. Kyle Van Noy with the stupid personal foul. Zay Flowers with the stupid personal foul. I mean, he catches that long bump. They can't get anything going. It's 17-7, to early third quarter, right? They can't get anything going, the Ravens. They finally get a 54-yard pass to Zay Flowers. And seemingly for no reason, Flowers gets up and then shoves the defender back down to the ground before spinning the ball right next to him. Obvious personal foul. What are you doing? And then we know the play that ensued after that. Jadavian Clowney spearing with his head right to the jaw of Patrick Mahomes. What are you doing? Roquan Smith with the offside running through the right guard. Unnecessary roughness, personal foul, dead ball penalty. What are you doing? And then, of course, you got Lamar Jackson spiking the helmet on the sidelines. Zay Flowers is crying after the game. I mean, deservedly so. This was a, this was a brutal performance from Baltimore. The personal fouls and the mistakes were so different from what we've seen from this team throughout the season. There was no reason for Baltimore to behave the way they did. There was no reason for Lamar Jackson to make the mistakes he did. And for the defense, how about this? For the defense to allow the Chiefs to do what they did the entire first half. I mean, the Chiefs the entire first half, except for punting it once. The Chiefs did whatever they wanted the entire first half. And now think about this. Kansas City doesn't score in the second half. You have, you have Lamar Jackson, who's going to win the MVP. At home, in the AFC Championship game. Kansas City only scores 17 total points. None in the second half. And you can't win that game at home? Lamar Jackson is getting crushed. Deservedly so. Baltimore lost that game. Because here's the thing. You get to the second half. It's 17-7 going into the second half. Baltimore had their chances. Baltimore drives down the field. You get the stupid Zay Flowers penalty. And then they still end up completing a screen pass to Zay Flowers. Who then dives toward the end zone. And it gets punched out. By, uh, who was it? Deion Bush punches the ball out. Obviously, short of the goal line, they recover. Lamar Jackson later on, they're driving down the field. Awful interception in the end zone. He threw it. Like my man Brandon Jacobs on primetime there yesterday said with me, Lamar Jackson threw the ball into a team meeting. Threw it into a Chiefs team meeting in the back of the end zone. They had their chances. 
Those are two touchdowns they gave away. One of them, fumble, he's trying to make a play. Obviously, you got to hold on to the ball. And the other one, awful decision. And Legereus Sneed intercepts it. By the way, Legereus Sneed was a guest of ours after the game on primetime on ESPN Radio yesterday. And how about Legereus Sneed yesterday telling me they knew in the middle of the game, Baltimore, they overlooked them. That they were not ready for them. That they overlooked them. They didn't take them seriously enough. They overlooked them. That's something to say. And that's why, that's why I said this game was lost by the Ravens. This was an uncharacteristic performance from them. To only score seven points with what they're off. I mean, the Dolphins only scored seven points on the Chiefs two weeks ago. This was the performance of a team that was not ready for this game. And Legereus Sneed, unprovoked, said to me on primetime yesterday on ESPN Radio, he essentially felt the same way. They did not take them serious. They overlooked them. KC does not score in the second half. And this game was never really in doubt. That's on Baltimore. KC looked, Kansas City looked much closer to what they looked like for most of the season yesterday, while Baltimore was unrecognizable. That's why this was on Baltimore. That Kansas City team you saw yesterday, great defense, offense not so great. That Kansas City team we saw yesterday was much closer to the Kansas City team the entire regular season than that Ravens team we saw yesterday being close to what they were during the regular season. They were unrecognizable, and Lamar Jackson was terrible. This is why he gets the criticism. And it's going to be ramped up now to a fever pitch. And here's the thing with Mahomes. You look back, and I said this on Driving the Line this morning. I didn't... I. I didn't play the game yesterday, okay? But you look, but I liked Baltimore. And now, this is the type of game where you look back at it. Hold on a second. The Chiefs got four and a half points, and you're not taking Patrick Mahomes? Whatever the scenario, whatever the game is being played, if Patrick Mahomes is being given points, that's a gift. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I'm stupid. Mahomes. He now officially, for me, has that Michael Jordan aura to him. What I mean by that is, every time you play him, you think he's going to win. You think he's going to win until he doesn't. It doesn't mean he's going to win every game, but you think he is going to win every game until he doesn't actually win that game. You can't doubt Mahomes. You're scared to death to play him. Every time my favorite team, the Miami Heat, played the Chicago Bulls, I was scared to... That, that's the biggest thing, you know, if you want to talk about the Michael Jordan versus LeBron, who's the greatest, that's the biggest thing that I point to. When my team was playing, to the, playing the Bulls and Michael Jordan, when my team was playing Michael Jordan, I never thought Michael Jordan was going to lose. When my team has played LeBron James, I don't feel that way. With Mahomes... I think he's got that Michael Jordan aura to him. You cannot think he's going to lose until he actually does. And then the next game, you once again do not believe he's actually going to lose. And I'll also tell you this. I am 
very glad there was no controversy with the officiating helping the Chiefs win. Because you know the conspiracy theorists wanted to point at the Chiefs in the NFL and say they wanted you there. They fixed the game because of Taylor Swift. All, I, I think I counted five personal fouls. You had Van Noy, Flowers, Clowney, Roquan Smith, and the one where Patrick Mahomes got clubbed in the face. I think he had five personal fouls on the Chiefs, uh, excuse me, on the Ravens. They were all obvious and not debatable. Like there was no officiating controversy in KC's favor. Glad about that. So there you have it. One point favorite. The San Francisco 49ers over the Kansas City Chiefs. I love Kansas City. Love Kansas City plus one. Wish I was getting more points. Love Kansas City plus one. And I think we got a juicy... And I like the Taylor Swift element to it. Everyone gets all riled up. You get your panties in a wad about Taylor Swift. Take it down a notch. It's not that big a deal. I, li- I like the Taylor Swift element to it. I'm into it. Oh, that was Mahomes. You can't beat him. And the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Major, major choke job. The Lions melt down. Like, I don't think the Lions choked. I, if there's a difference between choking and melting down, like, everything went wrong for the Lions. I don't think the Lions choked. I think the Ravens choked. That was a choke job by the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. And here we are. You know, Travis Kelsey, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, Travis Kelsey got on that podium and did the whole, everyone doubted us, no one believed in us. Well, Look, we did it again. No, no, no. You're full of shit. Everyone thought you were going to win last year. Everyone knows how amazing the Chiefs are last year. This year, if you want to get up there and talk about nobody believed in us, everyone picked against us, no one thought we were going to win, this year you're right. This year you could say that. You know what else I could say? I could say that if you go to North Fort Lauderdale Subaru... You're going to be treated with a relaxing indoor car shopping experience. You're going to be treated like royalty at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. They're celebrating this new year with incredible offers on all new Subarus in stock, as well as every pre-owned vehicle on their lot. Right now, at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you can make zero down payment, make zero payments for three months, and make zero security deposit. Or you can lease the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Premium for just $219 a month for 36 months with $54.95 due at signing with approved credit. Go to nflsubaru.com. That's nflsubaru.com for full details with an extensive new and pre-owned Subaru inventory. Plus, used cars, trucks, SUVs of every make and model. You're sure to find your next vehicle at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, the location you know with an experience you'll love. Let's get to big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. Here's what we got today. Here's that. This is this morning on ESPN. Get up. Rex Ryan. He knows what it's like to lose in a championship game. Here's Rex Ryan on the Lions loss. And I'm going to tell you something. This is the most devastating loss. I mean, of all time. Because I'm, I, I've lost three championship games. You know what you get when you lose a championship? Not a dang thing. Not a dang thing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This will haunt you for the rest of your life. Mm. And I'm telling you, because I, I get it. I can remember every damn one of those losses. Everything about plays. That's what it means to this football team. To Dan Campbell, to all his coaches, to every, every one of the players. They're going to be with them forever. And that's what you, you're going to react two different ways. You're going to let it just kill you. 
or are you going to sit back and say, I'll be damned if that happens again? I mean, it's obviously a big deal. Now, I don't know if yesterday's the worst loss ever, but I, I do I do get what Rex Ryan is saying where losing in the championship game is the worst loss ever. That's the worst way that you can lose because you come at it, you got nothing. You didn't get to the Super Bowl. Nobody remembers you lost in the championship game. It's the worst kind of loss. The Dan Lebitard Show with Stu Gotts this morning. Here's some of Lebitard, Dan Campbell's decision-making, and the Lions losing. Under what circumstance in that second half did you have them stopping San Francisco when San Francisco wanted to score? Under any circumstances, because all San Francisco did. Like, when we're sitting here talking about coaching decisions, why isn't anyone talking about the fact that at half, whatever the adjustments were, Detroit couldn't score anymore, and all San Francisco did was go up and down the field. The best unit I saw yesterday, Stugatz, of any kind, was the Detroit Lions offensive line in that first half. Over the last four weeks, San Francisco has allowed five yards of carry to running backs. Right. Four weeks, they allowed the ball to be run. What makes you think if Detroit had tied the game that San Francisco wouldn't have just kept scoring? They were doing it the entire second half. To me, the worst thing that happened in that game of any kind, Stugatz, was at the very end. And we love the last stuff. This part is super weird to me because I thought we always choose the last thing to question, not the things before that. Everyone's talking field goals. And the fact that they ran the ball on third down and then had to use one of their timeouts and couldn't keep all three timeouts, that was the biggest coaching decision mistake in the entire game by Uh, Dan Campbell. It's obviously a big deal. I mean, come on. It's what everybody's talking about today. Big deal or not a big deal. So while the Kansas City Chiefs receivers have been letting down Patrick Mahomes all season, the Ravens did have an opportunity late in the game, third and nine. If they can come up with a stop... They can get the ball back. Well, how about Marquez Valdez-Scantling? He comes up with a huge catch over the middle. Here's the call on Korean radio. I'm going big deal. That's a great call right there on Korean radio. I wonder what they said. That's a good call. That's a big deal. And finally, speaking of good calls, big deal or not a big deal, Bailey, probably my all-time favorite WWE moment that I've ever been at. Bailey wins the Women's Royal Rumble on Saturday night. Here's Michael Cole with the final call with Bailey, the last woman standing in the Rumble. We're talking about it when we we get excited about the power of Jade Cargill. But right now, she's outmatched, she's outnumbered. But she's still hanging in there, somehow fighting back. Oh, looking to skin the cat back inside, but Liv put on the brakes. Cargill still hanging on, an impressive performance here by Jade Cargill. Bailey kicked to the apron, Morgan out of the midsection. Cargill stood straight up by that last kick from Morgan. Morgan, down goes Cargill with oblivion, and Bailey eliminates Morgan. Bailey's going to WrestleMania. Here is your winner of the Women's Royal Rumble match, Bailey. Say it again, Michael Cole. 
I'm going big deal. It's a great call from Michael Cole, who's really grown on me these last couple years because I was not always a fan. It's an excellent call by Michael Cole. And like I told you, as far as going to pro wrestling, for me, it's about the moments. and You want to be at the big moments. And that, to me, felt like an all-time big moment. Really happy for Bailey. She was my pick. It was so cool being there for it. That's a big deal. And that right there is another edition of Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Yes. All right. Today's show brought to you in part by Bet Online. Again, make sure you go this morning. Uh, listen back to Driving the Line. You go on the YouTube channel, youtube.com, and just type in Driving the Line. You can subscribe to that. I'm going to be on with those guys regularly, I believe. I was on this morning, so go watch Driving the Line. Of course, I'll be on ESPN Radio again this weekend, actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Really excited to get back with them later on this week. And make sure you tell all your friends and family about Zaslow Show 2.0, most importantly. Hit the like button, subscribe, comment, rate, do all that good stuff. That helps me make the monies. Support the sponsors who support the show. That also helps me make the monies. Thanks, everybody, who helped put together a great show today. I love you a long time. We'll talk to you on Zaslow Show 2.0 tomorrow. You know what that means. Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere. Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six-packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo because more is always brewing.